Just a note at the start, this episode contains adult themes, so may not be suitable for all listeners. Welcome to the Journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Sinead O'Carroll, and this week we are looking at exactly how the UK's new porn blocking law will work. Yep, the UK are trying to restrict access to pornography on the internet. And we thought they had taken on Brexit as an impossible task. Well, as part of the plans, there will be age restrictions, which I will only presume for now will be more sophisticated than when alcohol sites ask you your date of birth and we all fill it in correctly every single time, right? So in studio to look at how much of this is possible and how much of it will actually work are the journal.ie's Michelle Hennessy and Caroline West, who is a doctoral scholar in sexuality studies at Dublin City University. Honestly, guys, which would you rather fix Brexit or figure out how to keep porn off the internet? Million dollar question. I think I'd probably pick porn over Brexit, to be honest. They're both very messy, but in very different ways. <laughs> so part of the, the laws that the UK are going to be bringing in are to keep under 18s away from porn and keep children safe so that when they're on the internet, they're not coming across graphic contents. But the law also wants to restrict people's access to extreme content of banned acts. And so that will include adults looking at these um, videos as well. Michelle, can you just give us a quick rundown of exactly what the new law is and what it aims to do? Sure. So this new uh, age verification system forms part of the 2017 Digital Economy Act. So it was passed two years ago and it was initially expected uh, to be in place by April this year. Now, it's been delayed a couple of times. The UK government now says the age check scheme will come into force on the 15th of July this year. So the age check scheme, I was being a bit facetious there about the alcohol thing, but it, it is different to that. It's not just going on and putting in whatever date of birth you come up with. It is different. It's supposed to be a bit more robust. So from that date, all of the the affected sites um, will have to verify the age of UK visitors to the site. So this includes, um, you know, sites that are all over the world. If it's UK visitors, they'll have to do it. Um, And it'll be up to the sites themselves to decide how they verify the ages, which is part of the the problems we'll be talking about. Um, It'll be regulated by the British Board of Film Classification. And and that's the same uh, regulator that gives films their age certificates, normal films. And now the BBFC um, said that age Age verification solutions will range from the sort of low tech options, such as buying a card over the counter in a newsagent's. So that's um, the porn pass that people might have heard of. Yeah, of the, the UK last media have been calling them porn passes because um, it looks good in headlines, I suppose. Uh, and there'll also be sort of technological systems that will use the traditional ID documents, and you'll do that online. So it'll be passports, driver's licenses. Now, if they have a, a robust standard in place, they'll get a certificate from the BBFC, and it'll allow them to display sort of a, an age verification symbol to say, you know, we do it well and we keep your, your data safe and, um, you know, we've got high standards of, of child protection, all that kind of stuff. There's one of the larger companies called MindGeek that people might have heard of before. They own Pornhub, YouPorn, RedTube, but they actually have an office in Dublin as well. They've developed their own system called AgeID and they're hoping that that'll be adopted by other websites as well, not just the ones that they own. And this system would involve adults having to upload scans of their passports or their driver's licenses and then they'll be verified by a third party. Um, and they said all the information will be encrypted and they won't keep track of how people are using their accounts. With the porn passes that we mentioned, you'll basically go into a store. The person behind the counter will check your passport or your driver's license, check that, look at you in the face, check that it's you. You'll get this pass and it'll have a code on it. And then when you go on the website, you, you'll type that in. Um, there's also talk of using credit card details to confirm 
uh, that, that you're over 18 because you have to be over that age anyway to get a credit card. But there's no obligation on any of the sites to accept one or the other method. They'll be able to choose. So if you're somebody who's using multiple sites owned by different companies, you might have to go to a news agent for one have Upload your, your, your passport, passport verifi- verified for one, give your credit card details to another. And Caroline, this is all to ensure that under 18s aren't stumbling across mm-hmm. porn online, which seems like a good aim. Good in theory, because we don't want children looking at adult content because it's not made for them. But it's just not going to work. <laughs> Can we just go back and, and just look at the, the, the children not accessing porn why is it so bad like what what things happen in a young person's brain if they do access porn we don't know really is the short answer to that so all the research around children watching porn is really conflicted so for every study that says the child will experience a certain reaction there'll be another study that says that they don't so the research is just really quite poor in the methodology for the sample size as well but what we do know is that everywhere that where there's decent sex education young people watch less porn and they feel less conflicted about it. They also have healthier relationships and have more of a switched on opinion of consent as well. So the issue is more sex education, not porn as such. So there was a recent study done in um, 2016 and that looked at the more children got decent sex education, the less realistic they found porn to be. So maybe they might have watched it very young because we know kids start watching porn quite young nowadays because they have smartphones. But the more sex education they had alongside that porn consumption, the more they said, actually, this is not real. This isn't what I want to watch. Or I can understand that this is acting and not real life as well. So the there's kind of two problems at play here. There is the access on the Internet, but there's also the education. So absolutely. this is just skipping one part of them in your yeah, opinion? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think a lot of the studies around like porn and sex education for children is just that always ends in the emphasis of we need decent sex education and that will solve a lot of the problems as well. So it's a case of if your child is getting upset about what they are seeing on the internet because they will be seeing porn that's you know despite the porn blocks and everything else your child will look at porn on the internet. The case is how do we support parents to talk with their kids about what they're seeing and how do we support teachers to talk about porn when it comes to sex education as well. What Caroline says there Michelle about kids definitely seeing porn on the internet even despite this porn blocking bill is there anything that you have done in your research that makes it look like this might be enforceable I mean to a certain extent I think it can be some of the the research um, that the UK government has relied upon uh, states that a child is as likely to stumble across porn as to find it by searching for it and what they've said is that these are the children that they're really trying to target with this, that the children where, the, you know, there might be a pop up or, or something may be sent to them. And if they click on it, it'll actually stop them from coming to a page where there will be any any kind of um, distressing content that they might see. There will be a lot of difficulty in a lot of different areas when it comes to enforcing this. Now, the, the regulator, the, the BBFC, will have measures in place. They'll be able to tell internet providers which sites to block for non-compliance. And there are fines included in the legislation, but the, the government in the UK has acknowledged that it would be very hard to chase up these fines because a lot of the offenders probably aren't going to be British firms. So they think that the threat of having, you know, th- this threat of blocking the, the site will work. And they can also ask search engines and advertisers to shun the offending businesses. But critics of the plan 
have pointed out that, uh, you know, teenagers are crafty and uh, they'll find it pretty easy to bypass um, the restrictions. Yeah, just like magazines were not allowed in Ireland until when the early 90s. Yeah, like. that's right. I mean, even if you take uh, Twitter, Reddit, um, those types of websites, they won't have to administer the scheme at all. So um, more than one third of your, your site's content uh, must be pornographic to bring it under this legislation. Uh, so purely for research purposes, I, I did a, a Google search this week of um, purely just, for just research purely purposes. for research uh, of the term porn on Twitter. Um, and there were a load of accounts that came up in that Google search immediately. So within two seconds, um, I was able to click into uh, some very graphic content on uh, and Twitter you can, profiles. you can see that straight away. It's not like you have to do three, two or three links. It's no. not like click here and you'll see something. You're you seeing it. You do a search, it. you have a, a list, a choice of different um porn, you know, with porn in the, in the handle of the Twitter account uh, links, you just click into one and there are images, there are videos of uh, people having sex. So, um, it, I mean, that that's very easy and that isn't going to come under this legislation at all. So if you're optimistic, you could say this is a test case that uh, government is trying to regulate the internet in some ways. Mm. If it works, maybe they would move it to social media. Yeah. And, and the, the government in the UK has acknowledged that there is pornography available on some of the social media platforms and what they've said, which is a bit of a cop out at the moment, they expect the platforms themselves to do more to create a safe environment. But they said if they don't take action, they won't rule out legislating in in the future. So it's a bit wishy-washy, that that kind of an attitude. Um, We also have uh, VPNs, virtual private networks, that some people might use for for streaming um, maybe American shows that you can't get access to here to be able to watch those. Uh, you can make it seem like your computer is located elsewhere. So if you pay for for one of these VPNs, um, which I'm sure a lot of teenagers are aware of because they're using them to stream other content online, they may be able to use that to bypass this or using a parent's credit card uh, details if a credit card is the way that they're verifying age. So there are going to be a lot of ways around it. But like I said earlier, the government is saying that they, you know, if they're even if they are only reaching the children who are stumbling across it from a pop-up or, you know, something that's being sent to them that they're not, when they click through, they're not actually going to be able to see this content. It'll be one step on the road. Yeah. One of the things then on the opposite side is the people who do want to access uh, these con- this content that are of age, the people who are over 18. I can't imagine too many people being happy about uploading their passport or going into their local news agents and, you know, saying, yes, I'm over 18 and can I have that porn pass, please? Yeah, it's like, can you imagine? Like, no. But also, you know, we have unscrupulous news agents who will sell alcohol to under 18s as well. So it's not a guaranteed failed safe method as well. But I wouldn't be comfortable. And I look at a lot of porn for my job, um, but I would not be comfortable giving my passport and my driver's license to Pornhub. Um, so that's really problematic as well of, you know, sites like that are really targeted by, say, moral campaigners who are opposed to porn even existing in the first place. So if you have this treasure trove of data of people's like personal details just sitting there waiting to be hacked, that's very attractive to a lot of hackers or to a lot of people who want to shame people for their porn use. Yeah. We saw that this like happened already in 2015 with the Ashley Madison incident. So Ashley Madison was a website where people could have um, affairs outside marriage. So it was for married people. People might remember those ads, you like, you know, get a life, have an affair, that, yeah, that kind of stuff. Life yeah, life short. Kind yeah, of, uh, that was go it. For it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what happened there was like they their details got hacked by a group who 
was morally opposed to um, cheating, infidelity and marital affairs. And they said, unless you pay us, we're going to release these details. So they didn't pay and the details were released. So that led to um, alleged suicides in some cases. Now, whether or not that's definitely provable is another thing. But people, you know, ending up getting divorces, you know, their whole town knowing that this person of stature, a mayor or whatever, like was on this website having yeah. an affair. So it's real rife for blackmail, that kind of yeah, thing. Absolutely. And like, do we really want people or like the government or, you know, specific agencies knowing what kind of content we as consenting adults are looking at on the Internet? Like adults should be able to keep their fantasies to themselves unless they consent to sharing it. So it's quite a risk for adults. But I guess the argument there is in the public interest, if it does keep children more safe, well, then consenting adults should understand. Yeah. But what keeps children safe is good sex education that includes porn literacy skills. So that's you will actually get way more children if we had standardized objective modern sex education that also included porn as well then rather than the occasional child that might stumble across porn because they're pretty much all gonna like be looking at it anyway so why not just tackle it at the source like get in there early have conversations about consent when they're children and then have conversations about sex when they're old enough to understand that as well. Michelle, part of this as well we mentioned was that there will be some restrictions on the type of content. Again, we're just talking again about the adults that will will be consensually going on the, onto these sites. Um, this part of this legislation is to look at banning extreme content. That's right. So this is a section of this Digital Economy Act. This is in the same section of the act as the the age verification. Um, it, it'll require sites not to make what it describes as extreme pornographic content available to people in the UK. And there was a concern um, before it became really clear what the wording would be, uh, that this would expand on restrictions introduced in 2014 on pornographic DVDs and British video on demand services. So these restrictions in 2014, they banned content that showed certain sex acts um, such as say, heavy spanking or caning, fisting, public sex, female ejaculation. How did they decide on that list? I mean, th- there's a big list um, and it seems to be... Hang on, female ejaculation yeah. isn't allowed... <laughs> Um, Male ejaculation is fine though Okay Uh, And you could also still watch this kind of of pornography Produced outside of the UK So you could watch it online in say uh, US sites So there were big protests around those restrictions in, In 2014 in the UK And there was a concern that this would basically just expand that to uh, online sites. But the new legislation doesn't specifically mention any of these acts and it doesn't link back in with those 2014 restrictions. So instead it references extreme pornographic content and it considers extreme content uh, grossly offensive, These are the, this is the wording, grossly offensive, disgusting or otherwise of an obscene character. Now it also um, links into other legislation that has, a, has uh, definitions of certain acts, an act which threatens a person's life, Uh, or results in serious injury to a person's anus, breasts or genitals. Um, Also interference with uh, a human corpse or bestiality, so sex with with an animal either dead or alive. Like those those last two, Caroline, bestiality or necrophilia. Like y- you get why those are yeah. labeled extreme. Always lumped in together with consenting adult. Yeah. Porn. It's the same as film child sexual abuse as well. Is always lumped in as if it's the exact same, and as if someone who's watching porn is also going to watch bestiality and children. Yeah, it's because what is extreme to you or me might be very different Absolutely. to somebody else. You know, like extreme to me might be just you know more than two two people having sex together or that might be a normal Saturday night for some people. Um, But some people would really 
like argue that people even filming themselves having sex on camera is obscene, is disgusting, is degrading. So they're all very subjective terms. Um, you know, so we have to look at who is actually defining those those terms, who challenges those. What do they actually mean? You know, because there is one guy who did his porn, um, his PhD on all the definitions used in porn research and came up with over 50 different definitions. So there's no one singular definition of what porn is, what the content is. And we have to recognize as well that porn is not just one homogenous block. There's so many different aspects to porn as well. So like this ban is going to target people who are like small time producers who might make certain, say, fetish content as well. You know, they're making it in very egalitarian terms. It's feminist, it's ethical, it's queer. But because of that, they get lumped in with some of the maybe the massive big producers like Pornhub as well. And they might have completely different content as well. So it's really problematic how we're defining these terms as well. And, you know, the word extreme is so subjective. Like to me, like the Saw films are extreme. You know, that's people being tortured and, you know, chopped up and everything else. But yet we go to see that in our droves yeah, in the cinema. They might get an 18 rating, but they're not yeah. completely so do censored. apply this also to Hollywood movies? Do we apply it to TV shows? Do we apply it to songs? Like where does it, where does the line stop? And who is the arbitrator of that line and who says what we can watch and what we can't watch. So it is this censorship board for the moment, Michelle, is the arbitrator of who decides what people can watch when they go to these porn websites. That's right. It's very difficult uh, to gauge, you know, exactly how they're going to do that. I was talking to uh, Shauna Scott from Sex Shop, which is a um, sex toy shop here. And, you know, she made the point that it wasn't long ago that um, LGBTQ sex was considered all three of those things obscene, disgusting and offensive. Um, and she said such broad language can often be used to demonise people in sexual minorities. And this is a quote from her. What is also curious is that these laws uh, never take on obscene, disgusting or offensive content from YouTube. People who regularly use hate speech or create dangerous realistic pranks just the content that is created for the purposes of arousal rather than starting a dialogue with people in the industry to create better working conditions on sets they choose to legislate what kind of sex is normal and reasonable yeah i i find it kind of quite mind-blowing because you know that that, that's there's that episode of friends where rachel says like the most unusual place i had sex was like the end of the bed you know (laughs) it's it's, there's so many different versions of of what um what a wild night is in in sexual terms for people there's also an attempt in 1983 in the states to ban porn and that was like the the real hardcore anti-porn feminists at the time and they were like we need to ban this because it's used in the you know rape culture basically and stuff so what happened was it got shot down in the states but it was adopted in Canada under the Butler decision but the only content that they seized were LGBT material coming in so they ignored all the mainstream stuff that the the um, the people who designed the bill in the first place were targeting and shut down lesbian erotica or just even like advice and support books and stuff for LGBT people as well. So you're looking at who's actually doing this enforcing. Yeah, we obviously have our own history with censorship of all kinds of material about sex Mm -hmm. education, never mind porn. Um, Michelle, is there anything that we will see mimicked in Ireland in this UK bill? Well, it looks like that's a possibility. So there was a a public consultation on proposed new legislation for online safety um, that the Department of Communications ran in the last year and it's just closed. Um, And I asked the department about its its opinion on the UK legislation and whether they would consider bringing in something similar here as a child protection measure. Um, So what they said back to me was... um, 
you know, they, that they'd announced plans to bring forward this new legislation. They had launched the public consultation. It's closed. And they said the results are being examined in preparation for the development of legislation. They also said age verification will be considered in the context of the forthcoming legislation. So it, it is a possibility. They probably will wait to see how well it works in the UK. Um, now, there is something uh, that in, in 2014, um, the, the Guardian uh, partnered up with Virgin who were then UPC uh, and this was a, a child protection measure but it was more about blocking access to sites containing child pornography than um, restricting a child's access to to online pornography um, but it, it, it is an example of you know site blocking with the co- cooperation of service providers here which is something that um, is part of the UK legislation you know if they're, if they're not um, if they're not doing it properly that the authorities there would be able to ask the service providers to block those so it is physically possible. It is, and it is happening just in a different context here. Caroline, do you think there'd be any appetite for it here? Obviously, there's a conservative government in the UK um, where in the past few years, we've often been more liberal than our neighbours. Do you think there would be an appetite for these kind of laws? I think there would be from certain sections, um, maybe certain sections of feminist activists as well, um, certain sections of parents as well who just don't know what to do when it comes to how to talk to their kids and stuff. But I think illegal and it's just very problematic you know, our guards are already under-resourced, social workers are already under-resourced, so they can't even enforce child protection as it is when it comes to actual child abuse over here at the moment. And again, I go back to the, all those studies that say when we have decent, modern, objective sex education, all the rates go down for everything that we want to see around kids. So they have sex later in life, they have less STIs, they have more understanding around consent, and they understand that porn is not realistic and it might not be the sex that they would like to have themselves so it all goes back to education for me of thinking that's how we can allay a lot of these fears when it comes to porn because it's kind of um you know shutting the stable door when the horse goes out or whatever that that expression is it's kind of too little too late sometimes and the idea is just to get in there early and have a kinder society and give our people the education that we need to have yeah rather than trying to regulate the internet michelle just to recap and when exactly will we see the uk blocking these uh, blocking this content and seeing men and women having to go to news agents to buy these porn passes they say now the 15th of july but like i said earlier they've delayed it twice so um you know, maybe maybe keep an eye out if, if you're really interested in it and want to see when it's come into force. But they say 15th of July. So from that point, they will the sites will have to have something in place. So we'll watch that space and we'll put 15th of July in the calendars. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to The Explainer. As always, this episode was brought to you by our excellent team. That's executive producer Christine Bowen, producer Aoife Barry, and assistant producer and tech operator Nikki Ryan. Thanks to Michelle Hennessy and Caroline West and all our contributors today. I'm Sinead O'Carroll and we'll be back next week with a brand new topic. In the meantime, check out some of our other episodes. Measles is back in the headlines again and we have taken a look at why it's so rampant among Irish kids. There's also an episode looking at why there's been no movement on getting a supervised injection centre in Dublin despite it being promised. And if you're enjoying these episodes, please leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks a million and catch you next time. Thank you.